What's up, night fans, and welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We're back after our holiday break and ready for 2017. Happy New Year. Hope you had a great holiday. My name is Jeff Sharon, and along with me is Eric Lopez. Jeffrey, it's good to be back. I'm relieved. <laughs> um, there, I don't know what I just witnessed, uh, but I'm glad to be back. <laughs> what what happened to you over the over the break? <laughs> I just watched UCF. I mean, as we record this, we just watched UCF East Carolina basketball, and uh, I'm still trying to digest that, which was not easy. Oh yeah, that but, was not a know. that was not a very fond way of ending the break. I actually go back into where I was. I was in work on Monday. Um, yeah, but like apparently nobody else was, <clears throat> and uh, and so I go back again tomorrow because I work from home on Tuesdays. But um, but yeah, I watch I watched that whole game on TV, and I was glad that I was you know teaching. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, I had it on mute because I was teaching one of my classes, and uh, it was bad. It was it, it was it was bad. But a win is a win is a win, right? So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about women's basketball. And uh, their game against UConn this past week, which I did PA at, had a front row seat for the UConn Huskies, and oh my God, are they good? Uh, we will talk about tennis. <laughs> you just figured that out, huh? With yeah. Breaking well, news. Breaking news here on the Black and Gold Banneret podcast: UConn is good at women's basketball. Um, we'll talk about the bowl games. The uh, obviously the last time you heard from us was at, was the, our post game show after the. Um, after the uh, uh, the Cure Bowl, boy, I almost forgot what it was called since I almost put it out of my mind. Um, well, I think many, well, I think many night fans feel the same way as you did. They put it behind them and forgotten about it. It's basketball season now. Moving on, and uh, and we'll talk about a couple other things. Having to, we have one more college football game left in uh, in the season. It's the championship game and a couple of uh, UCF connections to Alabama and Clemson. So don't forget to. Uh, Follow us on Twitter, if you don't already, at UCF underscore Banneret. I am at Jeff underscore Sharon. Eric is at Eric Lopez Elo. We are also on Facebook at Black and Gold Banneret. And if you go to blackandgoldbanneret.com, you can uh, subscribe to uh, our uh, site via email. we got some new stuff coming up this week. And uh, you can also subscribe to this podcast on, uh, let's see if I can remember this after a while, iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and just recently added on Tune in radio. So, uh, if you subscribe to any of those uh, services, you can subscribe to our podcast. Please do. Please leave us a rating. Tell us how we're doing, um, and uh, it, it, and give us a good rating if you can. And if you don't think we're doing all that good, then we're the Nightline Podcast. So, how about that? Uh, <laughs> by, the way, by the way, programming note. Now, I, I mean that. I, 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 I mean that. In, no, serious programming note. Uh, this Sunday, January the eighth. I, Eric Lopez, will be joining the Nightline podcast <clears throat> with uh, Trace Trolko uh, and uh, Andrew Fegley. And uh, Eric Kohler will also be there. And uh, we'll be doing a live YouTube special January 8th um, at, uh, I believe it's 7 p.m., but I'll double-check that for you. Uh, oh, here it is, Sunday at 7 p.m. So I'm excited about that, and, uh, and that should be fun. Now, did you negotiate? Did you negotiate with Andrew Fagley about the television, making sure that's on the Giants Packers game, as that'll be going on while you're on the air as a Giants fan that you are? I will be. If if not, I will be eating up his bandwidth by streaming it on Sling TV. So, um, so so you heard you you heard me, Andrew. We need to have that game on. All right. So uh, let's let's go. All right. Let, let's dive in. Let's get started. We'll talk yeah. about. Um, you know, football season's in the bag, so it's basketball season. And yeah. the Knights, uh, on the men's side, I'll tell you, the role just kind of continues, and they've been really workmanlike this season. Uh, I think they've surprised everyone, currently standing at 11-3, and three, uh, and we're recording this on Tuesday night, January 3rd, coming off of a, a really ugly win against East Carolina, 48-45, uh, was the final uh, in uh, a bizarre sort of you know, back and forth um, game? Started out really poorly for UCF. Um, fell down early. I think it was six to nothing, and then um, yeah, we were down seven nothing at one point, and then went on a run. And I'm actually trying to pull up the run right here. 
we were up at one point twenty to twelve or twenty one to thirteen. So um, if you're looking at it, that's a twenty one to six run, and kind of kept ECU at arm's length. And ECU kind of fought back. They actually had a shot to tie the game at the buzzer, but missed. Um, and uh, and that was it. B.J. Tyson had a, a shot to tie it, but uh, couldn't come up with it. Uh, as far as the team stats are concerned, um, field goal percentage is just horrendous. Both teams shot 26% from the field. Um, the Knights shot 20, one, 28 free throws and made 21 of them. I think that was pretty much the difference in the game. ECU is 6 of 16 at the line. Uh, the Knights out rebounded ECU by eight, forty-six to uh, thirty-eight. Uh, uh, leading scores uh, for uh, the Knights. I'm actually pulling this up right now. I mean, nobody was really playing particularly well in this game. Three Knights in double. Only five Knights actually put up uh, put up points in this game. But uh, B.J. Taylor came back uh, back after exactly a month away from his injury. Uh, four of ten from the field. But 12, 10 of 12 at the line, finished with 19 points. Uh, hit a big three yeah. late, too, when it looked like the game was slipping away. Hit a big three to extend, keep that kind of arm's length against East Carolina, too, when the shot clock was running, and, uh, which Matt, I thought was huge. Yeah, that, that, was a big, that was a huge play in the game that could, could kind of be considered the, the, uh, the shot that really maybe put it out of reach. Matt Williams... Did not shoot very well. Three of ten, two of eight from the arc, but was had thirteen points. And uh, Chad Brown was four for four from the field, eleven points. Taco Fall um, had missed, I think, what was it five shots in his previous uh, yeah. three games or something like that. He was zero for six <clears throat> from the field. Um, yeah. And you know, and, and Washington, the center for ECU. Got to give him credit because he he played excellent defense that night. Actually, blocked yes. Taco I think a couple times. Washington was held wasn't all that good himself from the field. One of six. ECU's leading score was uh, Barkley, who was six of nineteen from the field for sixteen points. But ugly or not, man, UCF is uh, is now I think twelve and three and three and zero oh in the league. And uh, and you got to and you got to give Johnny Dawkins credit, man. He has found the rotation. They have been healthy to this point. They have played well. Uh, they rebound. The defense, I think, Eric, has been the real difference for this team, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they're one of the top defensive teams in the country. Statistically, has proven that. And that's what won in the game today. Uh, you know, one of the issues when you're shorthanded like UCF is from a scholarship player standpoint, everybody, we've documented this very much. They don't have a lot of depth. Well, what that means is you're pretty much dependent on the same guys every night. And when they have an off night, there's really nobody else you can turn to. And I think that's what you saw from an offensive standpoint today. Taco Fall was due for, you know, it was his first, quote, bad game offensively he's had all season. Matt Williams had a cold day shooting. And I was worried about this game after since, after, since the you know, late second half of the Temple game. Because, you know, it's funny. If we would have done this podcast right after the Temple game, our tone would be completely like, you know, parade because yeah. I, and I said this, uh, I may have even tweeted this out. I think the temple win on a new on Saturday, it's the biggest win this program has had since the Florida game at the Amway center in Donnie Jones's first season. Yeah. And the reason I say that this temple team that UCF absolutely crushed, just crushed them, uh, is a team that was a 29 RPI coming in, had beaten Florida state, and West Virginia, two top 25 teams in the country. So in other words, that's one of the better teams that UCF has beaten in a while, and they dominated them without B.J. Taylor. Uh, and, and that was an impressive win, and that was a win. There was like, wow, you know, what can this team do? But then I was worried, uh-oh, you got East Carolina on a Tuesday night, you know, after everybody's patting you on the back, it's got let down written all over it, you know, because, they, you know, you're like, oh, boy. And it was. I felt there was a bit of a letdown. Uh, as good as they played, as good as Matt Williams played against Temple, they didn't. But the good news about this team is the one thing that's been consistent is they know how to defend. And the, the positive about that moving forward is as long as this team can defend, they're going to have chances 
to be in every game. But I think offensively, Jeff, this won't be the last time we talk about them having an off night because they just don't have enough bodies and you know, you're just going to have off nights. But I, I really think the BJ Taylor return, which was a surprise. A lot of people I talked to after the Temple game didn't think that he would return tonight uh, the, for this East Carolina game. They thought maybe the Connecticut game on the road, maybe. Uh, but it turns out he did. And I thought it was huge because I don't think without him, I don't think they hold on to win this game. Yeah, right now UCF is first in the American in scoring defense. They're averaging giving up just 57.1 points a game. That's coming into tonight's action. And they were tops in field goal percentage defense. Um, Teams are shooting just 32% against them. And they have defended the arc extremely well. Uh, Teams are shooting under 28% from three-point range. So we talked about, you know, how important the three-pointer is in today's college game. Well, they're getting they're getting out and closing out, and uh, and the the defense has been really been re- and also here's the other thing that I really like tops in the league in rebounding margin plus thirteen point three a game a lot of that is Taco but ta- but but it's not a one man show um, he's had some help from the other guys you know the four the other fours around him so credit to Johnny Dawkins the schedule looks like this. Uh, going forward for uh, men's basketball. They're They're going to UConn, my friend. Yeah, at UConn on Sunday. Uh, That game's on CBS Sports Network. It's also at Hartford. Then you come back home. So this is kind of weird. You got got almost a week off, six days off. Then you're back home for Houston, January 14th. That's a Saturday. And then USF comes in uh, three days after that, Tuesday, January 17th. So this right here... Is and then after that, by the way, Sunday, January twenty second at Memphis. So this is a big four game stretch in conference. And you know we talked about you know how this is conference play now. Um, every game is big. Well, it, it gets big in a hurry right off the top here. Um, and you're three and zero in the league with two home wins, and you got these four games coming up. You know it's going to be you know two tough road games in there at Memphis at UConn, probably two of the toughest road games you're going to find. On the conference schedule, but uh, and then you got a couple rivals coming in at, to home, but you know if things can if they continue to play well and they continue to defend, there's no reason why this team should not get to 20 wins rather right. easily. I think, and then when you get to 20, now you're talking postseason, and then it's yeah, a matter of what you do in the conference tournament that can get you uh, into the NCAA's maybe as an at large. Well, I, I don't want to go that direction just yet. Although I can tell you, I just oh, checked the real the real time RPI because I am an RPI geek. I love RPI uh, to some extent, anyway. I can tell you that UCF with, is currently a fifty nine RPI at this recording. They're fifty nine RPI, which is the third best in the American Cup. Yeah, Temple's at thirty seven. You got Cincinnati and SMU, so they're actually the fourth best RPI team in the conference. It's early. Let's not get carried away with that. I think the the word I have used to this point is postseason basketball team. I think this team has a shot to be a postseason basketball team. Are they? In, you know, I, I think it's way too early to discuss NCAA's and, and see what happens with this roster. But I think this team can be a postseason basketball team. And when I say postseason, I'm talking, yeah, maybe hopefully NCAA. You know, but also NIT or CBI, and and that's not a bad thing considering where this program has been, Jeff, yep. the last couple of years and what the expectations was this season. I think everybody, uh, the majority of the fan base, I would say, and maybe people outside the program before the year said this was a throwaway year for Johnny Dawkins because most of his players are going to make impact are sitting out because they'll be eligible next year from a transferring standpoint or just recruits or whatever. Um, so the, the fact that we're even having this discussion, I mean, this team has bought into him big time. Um, and he has done a great job making these players uh, succeed in, in high positions. You mentioned the defensive numbers. One of the reasons why they're such a good defensive team is because Taco Fall has been able to stay on the floor. He's averaging over 30 minutes a game compared to about 15 last year. And what, you know, he's staying out of foul trouble. He's in better condition and he's a better player. And so yeah. coach Dawkins knowing that, it's like I'm going to you're, you're going to take care of the inside game. Nobody can score inside of you because of your size. 
So we got to focus on guarding the perimeter because that's the only way teams are going to, you know, they're going to focus on that and we're going to force them to drive because we've got that taken care of. Um, and then you look at Taco Fall from a defensive standpoint and Matt Williams this season. They're playing it at all conference level. Matt Williams has been playing it at all conference level, which blows me away. And that is an amazing story. A kid who's been injury prone at UCF was prim- you know, primary just a shooter. It looked like he had his, you know, was going to leave the program. He, he was going to transfer to Wake Forest, but a credit to Dawkins. He kept the door open. He let him practice on campus, even though he was out the door to Wake Forest. And as I understand it, you know, the two of them got to know each other. And I think, you know, Matt Williams changed his mind. And I think it was the best decision for him. And it's been the best decision for UCF. So I'm just, I'm amazed with this, uh, this team. And how can you not root for this team? I mean, this team is the underdog team. I mean, they're shorthanded. Uh, they've got their flaws. Don't get me wrong. But man, it's just been remarkable. And I hope that people catch on to it. And, uh, that's why I'm, you know, uh, just a, it's great to start off 2-0, and and so far this, the year that they've started has been tremendous. This team reminds me a lot of the team that was in my senior year, which was 04-05. It was, the, it was actually the year after they won the first of the back-to-back um, A-Sun championships, and they had lost Dexter Lyons. They had lost a couple of players to graduation that were real key players, and and you thought that they had lost their explosiveness and their mojo a little bit, but they were they were a really scrappy team that, again, like this one, relied on defense and rebounding. And again, that was an easy team to root for because their um, their primary um, <clears throat> guy was was Gary Johnson, who was. Uh, who was, you know, a pretty good point guard, but I mean, you know, no one would say that this guy was like a team leading super mega star at all. He was just a very, very uh, high, <clears throat> a highly serviceable player, and really one of the true UCF greats. But you know, but he played, I think, with the same kind of um, energy that we see from BJ Taylor in terms of both offense and defense. You mentioned Matt Williams, who's been great. Matt, by the way is shooting 38% from outside the arc. Anytime you're over 35%, you're shooting great. Matt's over 38%. Uh, and that's coming into t- that was coming into tonight. May have dropped a little bit. Uh, after well, and the, the but the big thing with him is he's become a scorer, yeah. which I never thought he would be. I thought he was more just a shooter, maybe. I know Donnie Jones tried to use him at the point at times, but he's become a go-to guy and he's had no because they've had no choice. You don't, you know, that's the thing. You don't have other options. So in a way, I feel like some of these players maybe are playing with more confidence because they know that there's not a quick hook that, you know what? We need you. We're dependent on you. Um, now, unfortunately, like you're going to have nights like, you know, the East Carolina game where you're going to have, you just, it's just not going to work out and you don't have other options and you're not going to, you know, score well, but yeah, but they won the game anyway. And that's the big thing. And that's why they, playing they put, defense. That, yeah. Right. I, I was going to say that. Sorry. But I was going to say that the big thing that they showed me tonight was they could play poorly and win. And yeah, that's, I mean, that's the sign away. of a really good team. When you figure out a way to win when you're not playing your best. Now, look, I mean, I'm sure Coach Dawkins is not happy how that game ended. They were sloppy, some careless passes. I think they had over 20 turnovers in the game. Um, so it wasn't pretty because uh, they really made things difficult on themselves late in that game. I mean, they had that game kind of in control. I think they were up 17 at one point in that late in the second half there, and they kind of let East Carolina back in. So they got some work to do, but I'm just happy they won. Look, East Carolina has been a team that's given UCF fits with Jeff Lebo, all right? I mean, so uh, I think you take the win, you move on, and I think that's that kind of year. I don't think this is a year where you nitpick victories or, or stuff like that because, you know, I, I'm just amazed that we're even at this point. Uh, and you just hope now you're happy that B.J. Taylor is back. I think you just get some of the rust off, and I think they'll kind of reconnect a little bit. And I think, you know, not you know, one of the positives that is going to come out of this, you know, you have the kid Lang that had to play minutes because they didn't have a choice. Now he's got some minutes. Now he's a kid that maybe you play him a few minutes coming off the bench eventually when you do bring back B.J. Taylor into the starting lineup. So in a way, you've kind of created some depth out of necessity because you didn't have a choice with a kid 
that only came to UCF tried to be a grad assistant because he wants to go into coaching. So right. it's just, it's just kind of wild, man. I'm just blown away by this team. It's, uh, it's, but it's been entertaining to watch and, and it's been more interesting to watch than I expected. And like you said, it's tricky because they go to UConn, who's been a, a disappointment this year. They've had their issues with injuries, but it's still UConn. Uh, so I don't expect that to be easy. Uh, that's a tricky game. And then Houston's playing very well. I, I don't, the reason I mentioned earlier, I don't like talking postseason. I don't want people to all of a sudden set themselves up if things don't work out because I still think this has been all positive. So if they make postseason, they don't make postseason. It is what it is. Let's not forget what we thought about this team in October, considering all the issues they have on the roster. Uh, and not change the expectations because they're off to a good start. I don't, I don't think if this team somehow does not make postseason, I don't think that should be all of a sudden, oh, what a disappointment. Yeah. What a, you know what I mean? That's what I'm worried about. So I don't want people to get caught up in postseason talk this early because it's still very early in the conference. You're, tr- you're trying I, to temper still- my expectations, Lopez. You and a lot of night fans, <laughs> because my concern is with the lack of depth, with the scholarships, is this team going to be able to hold up through a, a, a conference schedule, which is never easy. Uh, it's not easy if you have depth, let alone if you don't. So that's why I, I just want to wait a little bit longer before we mention that word that you brought up earlier, that four-letter word. Well, I'm going to remain optimistic because I'm ever <laughs> the optimist, by the way. So, um, Fair enough. One other thing um, that I want to mention, Taco Fall, coming into tonight was uh, 84% from the field, 92 of 109. He is now 0 for 6 tonight. He's 92 of 115. Coming into tonight, he was leading the nation in field goal percentages, 84%. Uh, He was three percentage points ahead of of, uh, Devontae Kasak of... I believe that's how you pronounce his name. I'm sorry if I messed that up. Of uh, UNC Wilmington, who is shooting 81% from the field, 86 of 106. So um, we'll have to, we'll to double-check ch- double the stats after tonight. But Taco, among the uh, nation's leaders in field goal percentage, obviously uh, something that, we should, that we're going to keep an eye on. Now let's talk a little, sh- uh, shift gears, talk a little women's basketball, because all the hoopla around men's basketball, guess what? Coach Abe uh, and this women's team, uh, they're off to, like we said, we've said it before on this show, but it bears repeating. That's a good start. Uh, currently at 10-4, and four, having dropped their home conference opener against the UConn Huskies, the number one team in the country, and basically a WNBA team on New Year's Day. I was there for that game. Um, and for the game prior to that, the UC Davis game. So the Knights... Uh, lost by six in that game against a pretty good UC Davis team. I think it's going to be uh, that uh, out on the West Coast, but um, UCF right now stands at like I said, ten and four. Um, you kind of have to. So they play UConn twice this year, right? And no, they only get, no, them, no, once. Only get them once. That's right. I'm sorry. Yeah, only they only good, get them once. Good. That's how the schedule worked out this year. That's a good thing. And yeah, well, well, certainly considering what we saw on New Year's Day. Um, UConn jumped out. I think it was thirty-seven to six at one point, um, and kind of you know it was twenty-four-six at the end of one. They were shooting eighty-two percent. We were shooting eighteen after one, and that was pretty much it. Eighty-four uh, forty-eight was the final. But some takeaways from this game uh, for UCF. Even though UConn shot 63% from the field, UCF forced them into a season high 21 turnovers. And, um, actually I I heard from coach Abe after the game and she talked about how, you know, people were like, well, you know, you only scored six points in the first quarter. Um, at least on our side on offense, that was by design. I did not want to give him the ball. I did not want to give him the ball and shoot the ball quick. Um, so we were trying to get it down all the way to the shot clock, honestly. And so just to, you know, to choke the game a little bit, um, obviously that's why we had six points in the first half. We, we needed to do a better job defensively, but I, we were trying not to give them the ball. You can't just go out and play against UConn. Nobody can. You know, you're going to lose by 500 points. So we were really trying to slow the game down 
get bore them a little bit and you know they play man we got them into a zone so love it so we did we and they press and they never press so all of it was good so they were pressing to try to turn us over so they can get the ball back so they can score so they were doing different things that they never do our players don't know that but I know that that they all they ever play is man and they really get after you and so because they weren't you know stealing the ball, getting turnovers, all that stuff in their half-court defense, they were forced to press and they were forced to go zone against us. So, I mean, that, that's a little miracle in itself, too. Now, uh, on the other side, Gino Auriemma, obviously one of the greatest coaches of all time, um, was complimentary of UCF. He said that, you know, this team is a lot more aggressive this year, particularly on the defensive end. And um, they were also – and that, you know – like we said, you know, forcing the turnovers. Um, Gino will say, you know, that, well, we should never have been forced into said turnovers if we do our job. Um, but uh, he did mention that um, this team was, uh, that UCF, like we said, was a lot more aggressive this time around than they were, uh, than they have been in the past. And. Forcing, you know, that many turnovers, you know, they, they tried to slow the game down. And I think that's what you have to do. Uh, both coaches said that's, you know, if, if you're going to stand any chance against UConn, you have to take the air out of the ball. And so we saw UCF. It, there were times when it seemed like they were running the shot clock down because they couldn't find a good look. That wasn't the case at all, as Coach Abe said. They were trying to um, run as much shot clock as possible in order to prevent from getting into a you know, up and down, because if you do that against UConn, well, the game, they're going to score 150 points on you and beat you by 125. Um, but credit to uh, to the Knights for, you know, at least, you know, trying to execute as best as they could. Leading scorer for UCF in the game is Aliyah Gregory, who I thought played, played a pretty good game, took the ball to the hole, played strong on defense, 18 points. Uh, Zai Lewis was 7 of 19 from the field for 15 points. Um only one of seven from three-point range. Uh, but, but I wanted to talk a little bit about um, how good UConn is because they're really good. <laughs> um, they shot 16 to 22 in the first half. All of their players, first of all, they have wingspan for days. Like when they get back on defense and they all put their arms what, you know, out as, as, as UCF is bringing the ball up the court, I, I don't know how you get the ball in between them. They're they're so good. All the players look like they are like they're cast out of the mold for whatever position that they're playing. And uh, you know, Gabby Williams missed only one shot. She was six of seven. Nafisa Collier missed only one shot. She was ten of eleven. Um, uh, Katie Lou Samuelson, I-, I thought was the best player that they had out there on the floor, and she was a remarkable inside outside player. Um. You know, uh, you think that she's going to be, you know, cleaning up the boards inside. Then she steps outside and starts shooting threes on you. She was three of eight from uh, three point from three point range for seventeen points total uh, and seven rebounds. So I, I mean, I'm I was really impressed with UConn in a year that, of course, they're number one. They're the unanimous number one. They're undefeated. They're 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 not going to, you know, the only team that can beat them is them. But they don't have a superstar. You know, they don't have a, a player. Well, they don't have a superstar until they go to the WNBA and you find out they have like three, four lottery well, picks. Well, well, they don't. Well, well, yeah, because they're UConn, but they don't have somebody who's like Diana Taurasi. They don't have a, a Nikesha Sales, who's on our, who, you know, was on our assistant coaching staff. And, um, and, and, and Coach Doriama talked about her before. The no, game. they're very, look, they're. Right, they're very talented. They don't have that one person that's dependent. There's three or four people that can beat you on any given moment, and and they're very well rounded. Uh, and they they believe in the team basketball concept. And you can uh, see, but, and you can see that with everything that they do on the floor, it's completely selfless. So, so let me ask you, what was the crowd like? Because uh, I've heard, uh, I heard what what was the the attendance? I know there was a lot of UConn fans, so it's obviously they travel, which I know. I've seen yeah. their men's and women's bat. You know, they travel. UConn. And I've been up there to stores. They are a basketball school and then some. So, well, the official uh, what attendance was, was forty five thirty nine. From where I was standing, I thought it was closer to like about about thirty seven fifty, like thirty seven fifty, oh. thirty eight hundred. Um, it was. I, I'm not going to lie. It was mostly UConn fans, uh, sure. or at least it sounded like that. They were quite loud. Um, well, yeah, credit I mean, to UConn them because. Had- 
You, the, right. The, I, I think you know easy for us to forget. Now, now you say you know well they they travel well, but it's not so much that they travel. We forget UConn's a big school up in the Northeast, and a lot of folks you know are up in the Northeast, and they come and they come down here to Florida. There were a lot of I'm sure University of Connecticut alumni. Uh, who make their home here in Central Florida, who saw that UConn was on the schedule, and they came down to the game, and they saw us play and uh, to see their Huskies. And, you know, good for them. Well, and also keep in mind, Jeff, that UConn's that team in women's basketball that the casual fan's going to go want to see, right? I mean, that's like, oh, I want to go see UConn. Kind of like people used to go see Michael Jordan or see LeBron James now or see the New England Patriots and Tom Brady. You want to see that? Uh, maybe, but I, I would feel I would feel more confident saying that if they had a superstar player like a Diana Taurasi still on the roster, which they did not have this year. Yeah, but I think the college game, I think Gino's the draw. I mean, people know who Gino Ariema is. He's he's recognizable. I mean, for, I mean, let's not forget he's led the U.S. women's national team to gold medals in the Olympics. So, um, you know, I, I think he's the draw. And then UConn, the brand, is the draw. So, you know, there's people – that want to see UConn. Uh, if you're into women's basketball, you, that's who you want to see. So uh, so I think that's a part of it. The bigger issue now moving forward for UCF is how do they respond after playing UConn? Because I don't know, it, there's no real, you know, you, you know what's going to happen there. The question is, do you get better moving forward? And do you have, do you avoid letdowns? Do you avoid UConn beating you? How does this team respond after that huge game, because let's be honest, every player, you know, you're up, you're, you're, you're geeked up to play UConn. Do you bring the same intensity and excitement now going on the road to Cincinnati? And then you host Memphis. How will this team respond? I think will be fascinating moving forward after playing UConn. To me, that's where we're going to learn more about this team, don't you? Well, yeah, but I think that one of the advantages that they have is the fact that they got this game out of the way early. I mean, if you're, if you face a team like UConn, in your home opener in conference, in your first conference game, you're not going to see them again the rest of the year. You know, everything else, you know, by comparison, is a lot different. You know, so like you said, at Cincinnati next on uh, January the 4th, uh, that's, this com- or that's, that's tomorrow. We're taping this on, again, Tuesday, January 3rd. Um, then they're home for Memphis on the 7th. That's a Saturday on UCFnights.tv. Then they got uh, at Houston, at East Carolina, home, Tulsa, home, Cincinnati, um, you know, following that. So um, I, I think that it benefits them to get that game out of the way early. So it's like, okay, you know, we, we ran the gauntlet. We got through there. We learned a couple things about ourselves. We'll be, you know, now we can see what the rest of the competition looks like by comparison. And uh, so I think that that was an advantage. Couldn't have worked out better. For Coach Abe, and I and I got to give Coach Abe a lot of credit because you know she's realistic about the situation, and I think you kind of heard it in the in the in the sound that we played a little earlier. Um, you know, I mean, for God's sake, they're UConn, right? You know, so you know, do what you know you can do best against them to sort of control. You know, it's kind of like you're. She can't say this, obviously, but. But it's kind of like you're you're in damage control the entire time against them, unless they have a really bad night, they're going to beat you. So mitigate the damage as much as possible. Play your game. Try and force them to play your game to whatever extent that they'll that they'll do it, and at least try and you know expose your players to to the kind of competition that they're seeing. And put them in positions to have little wins, like she talked about. You know, breaking the game down into five-minute segments and seeing if you can win those five-minute segments. I thought in the second half we actually played um, relatively well. I, I I thought that we played fairly strong. Now, how much of that was UConn kind of maybe take the? I don't know if they took their foot off the gas or or if they were just you know more or less using that as an experiment to you know to try certain things. Um, but I got to give Coach Abe credit because she was realistic. I think if I was one of her players, I would come out of that game with more confidence than I did going into it because of, you know, I mean, yeah, sure, they beat us, but, you know, what, we forced 21 turnovers on them. You know, we kind of gave them a little bit, we kind of gave them a little bit of trouble on the defensive end. Um, and, yeah, we played them, and but you know what, they're human too. Um, Pokemon, they bleed a little bit, right? So, 
I, I was pretty in, I, would, I was pretty encouraged by that. And but you're right. I do want to see now how this team responds in these next couple games. Well, we'll see what happens. Should be interesting. Cincinnati, they're playing is a team that's coming off a loss on the road at SMU. So this will be their home opener. So it'll be interesting how they respond. And then they host Memphis on a Saturday at home. So we'll see what happens. I'm very interested to see how they respond the next couple of games. You know, because now I, really for the first time you're, I mean, not that, you know, I don't know if adversity is a strong word, but you know, you've got, you've lost a couple of games in a row now. A little bit so of a little I, bit of a low point. A little bit of a low point, right? You know, and that's the thing because, you know, for a lot of these players, you know, they've gone through a lot of losing. And now the first time it's a couple losses. So, you know, you hope, you know, that you avoid going like, oh, here we go. We're going to, this is where it kind of starts slipping away uh, type of deal. So I'm, I'm very interested to see how they uh, come out here in the next couple of games because you don't want is UConn to beat you twice. And when I say that, I mean, you know, sometimes a UConn can beat you so bad that you kind of lose confidence and you lose the next game because of that. You know, that's the thing you want to avoid. Uh, so yeah. put, you know, short memory on that kind of, you know, that's what you hope and come out well. Cincinnati, by the way, nine and five overall, Houston eight and six. Uh, Memphis and East Carolina are seven and seven and nine and five, respectively. So um, teams above 500, but teams that if UCF plays like they're capable of, they should be able to beat, certainly at home. So, um, so it's funny how, you know, we talked about this. You know, you kind of take, you know, any team that's playing UConn in the American, you, you almost have to, like, throw those games out and pretend that UConn doesn't exist in the conference in order to sort of gauge how actually good you are. You know, I, I don't, I, you can, we can debate about whether or not that's fair, but, you know, they're right now sitting at 13-0, and 0, um, 1-0 in the league. You could say that for the whole sport, though. I mean, that's not... That's not an American conference issue. That that that's that's yeah, a whole. Strictly speaking, whole within sport. the American, I mean, you you kind of have to, you know, if you're talking about the conference race, yeah. You but have I, to throw I, that I, out. I I think that um, I think there's some good teams in the American conference that get overshadowed because oh well, UConn's yeah. team rolled through the conference. Well, but USF's team rolled, 11, 11 and one right now. Right, right. Jose Fernandez, their coach, does the heck of a job there. So I I, I think from from the conference standpoint. What you're hoping is that these teams get better because UConn's in the conference, right? Because that's the recruiting pitch is you got a chance to play the best team in the country every year if you come here and play for X school uh, here. And so I'm sure that's what Coach Abe's message will be to recruits is come to UCF. It's a great campus. It's in Orlando. you got a great education, uh, and we can have a great arena. And you're going to be playing the best teams in the country because we've got UConn in our league, and that's got to be part of the sell. Yeah. So anyway, I I, I want to give some praise to uh, to to Coach Abe for how that was handled. All right, let's take a quick break, and uh, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit, we'll put a little wrap up on football, and talk about the Americans' performance in um, bowl games. We got some also oh, got some uh, breaking basketball news within the conference. Stick around. We'll be right back. This is the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Hello, Night Nation. This is Andrew Figley. This is Trey Strelka with the UCF Nightline Podcast, the original, the number one rated UCF sports podcast. You can follow us on Twitter and Facebook. On Twitter, it's UCF underscore Nightline and at www.ucfnightlinepodcast.com. Be sure to subscribe to us as well on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and YouTube. And when you get sick of listening to these guys, make sure you look us up. Don't forget, that's the UCF Nightline Podcast. Go Knights! Charge on. Now, back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. And don't forget, I will join uh, Trace and Andrew and Eric Kohler, by the way, uh, for the live uh, YouTube show on uh, for uh, for UCF Nightline. That's this Sunday, 7 p.m., January 8th. So be on the lookout for that. Try and embed that up on our site and see if we can get that up there, too. So, all right. A little breaking uh, basketball news, Eric. Orlando Antigua has been fired at the University of South Florida. Head men's basketball coach. Wild, huh? Isn't that? I mean, I think there's some sanctions there that are probably coming towards USF, which is probably why you saw, you know, the dismissal this at this point in the year. They're not very good. That's uh, the, well. That's the that's the main reason why twenty three yeah. and fifty five in two and a half yeah. seasons. 
But, but I mean, the fact, I mean, they got rid of an assistant earlier in the year. There's some, you know, infractions there, you know, investigations. They're, you know, probably going to go to probation. Um, and I, it's just a marvel at that because I've taught, if you remember, wow, I mean, I, when Donnie Jones got hired, uh, Orlando Antigua was one of the main candidates for this job, the UCF job. Yeah. He was an assistant uh, the, under Coach John Calipari. He was kind of a kind of a yeah. hot name at the time. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah. He'll be. Uh, by the way, he will be replaced uh, on uh, an interim basis by Murray Barto, who's a first-year assistant who was previously a head coach yeah. at East Tennessee State. USF currently six and seven, zero oh and two in the league. They don't play until uh, they until Saturday against SMU. Yes. So they had and, some time and- to make that move. And I want to bring that up because I like Donnie personally. I, I like Donnie. Uh, I'm happy with Johnny Dawkins. So don't get me wrong. I was, I, I agree with the move to move in a different direction. It wasn't working. Um, but I know there was a lot of people that didn't like Donnie Jones in this, but I'm happy that we had Donnie Jones instead of Orlando Antigua. Cause I, yeah. <laughs> we might be in really trouble right now. And you know, people, well, we had our own share of NCAA trouble under Donnie Jones. Yeah. But, but, but in fairness to Donnie, that went up, that was above him too. I mean, you know, Keith Tribble was involved in that kind of stuff. So when your boss is involved, like, what do you, you know, what do you expect to happen? I mean, I'm not saying I understand it. Believe me, I understand it. It, it, It's unfortunate, but, um, you know, I, I just think, you know, some things didn't work out for Donnie, but it wasn't all bad. Um, especially at the beginning there, as I mentioned earlier with the Florida win in Amway that, you know, you, you, you beat Connecticut in, in, the, in the Bahamas in the tournament. I mean, there were some positives and there were some winning seasons. It obviously tailed off, but, uh, it just kind of, that was what I react. I mean, I'm just, that's what I think of when I heard the news today, uh, uh with a Tigua going gone because I'm like, wow, because he was the name that a lot of people were speculating would come up, end up at UCF at that time. And he did not. And, uh, boy, we might be in even worse shape right now, maybe if he was hired. And that's the one thing you got to be excited about, Coach Dawkins. You will not have any issues like that at all under Coach Dawkins. No way. Uh, that is the one guarantee I could definitely do there. Um, and isn't it amazing? Johnny Dawkins has been here at a short period. He's not even, he's only barely halfway point, not even halfway through his first year. And UCF basketball is in better shape than USF basketball has is right now, which is amazing to me since they've had their coach for two and a half, three years. UCF just got their new coach and they're in a better shape already. Yep. Uh, that, that's a, that's kind of mind boggling to me. Um, come to think about it. So, uh, interesting to see what direction they go over there. Um, already got a few names out there. Joey Knight, what do you got? by the way. Uh, yep. Tampa Bay, Joey, Joey Knight, Tampa Bay.com. Uh, five potential replacements on Tampa Bay Times. Uh, David Grace, UCLA assistant. Um, okay, real quick about that. Keep in mind, the AD at USF used to work at UCLA. Yep. So that's the connection that's there. Right. If you want to, yep. uh, Harlan used to be at UCLA. So that, that, that makes sense. Here's an interesting name. Richard Patino, Minnesota. Son Richard, obviously. Son of Rick. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Of course, yeah. So you go from a Calipari disciple to literally a Patino disciple. They're thirteen Major and go- two though this year, so they're like, why would they? Why would you leave the Big Ten? Well, um, well, that's a good question. Why would you leave Minnesota? Now the argue, the counter argument is that, that Minnesota, you know, do they do they support him? Does he have the Minnesota support? Are they they're they're giving him all the resources? Because remember, uh, Tubby Smith kind of you know those kind. There's been coaches that have left Minnesota. Uh, I agree with you though. The Big Ten, big time conference in basketball. He's 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 turned things around in Minnesota. Uh, unless he doesn't have the support there, yeah, I, I don't see that happening. I agree. Anthony Grant, assistant coach for the Oklahoma City Thunder, and a former yeah. Billy Donovan lieutenant. The guy well, that was current the, Billy Donovan lieutenant, actually. Anthony Grant. Well, that's funny. He is because uh, his world see. changed. His world changed when Billy Donovan. You remember when Billy Donovan was the head coach for the Orlando Man- Magic for like five minutes uh, about eight <laughs> nine years ago. Right. You, you know who Florida was going to get ready to bring in to replace him, right? It was going to be Anthony Grant. Yeah. <laughs> Except Billy Donovan had a change of heart, so Grant never got that job. Grant, I believe, at the time was at VCU. He ended up going to Alabama. It did not work out there. Uh, I could see Grant because of the Florida ties. 
and I know he wants to get back into co- head coaching in college. Uh, he was another name that was speculated for the UCF job, I think, as recent as last year. Yeah. So, By the way, uh, uh, pretty good record as a head coach, 193 and 110 in three NCAA tournaments in nine seasons. Most VCU of that at VCU. Bama. Yeah. Bama had one year tournament. Bama, uh, they kind of tell, although I think Alabama is kind of delusion over there. I don't think you can win there in basketball with all the resources going towards football, but that's just my opinion on that. But he's he's not bad. Yeah, I, I could see that. Yeah. Uh, Who else you got? Obviously, the current interim coach, Murray Bartow. And uh, here's a name that you know, Stan Jones, assistant at Florida State. It's been there a long time under Leonard Hamilton. Um, he hasn't taken any of the other jobs. You know, would he take that one? I don't know. Um, time will tell on that. That that's remains to be seen. Um, I, I think the UCLA assistant makes a lot of sense because of the connections we talked about. David Grace. And, yes. uh, David Grace, and I could see Anthony Grant uh, making sense there as well. Obviously, the other question is how much res- how much money is USF willing to put into their basketball program? We had this discussion when the UCF job was open last year. We talked about how part of it, it's not just coaching. It's about the resources that the basketball team. We talked about the lack of uh, charter flights, for example, with the basketball team. That had to be addressed, which I believe ha- it has, and stuff like that. So that's I'm sure those are similar issues. USF has got to be dealing with, plus the lack of support they have over there. But it is interesting. USF's kind of going through what UCF did last year. Remember, they've just had their football coach change because Willie Taggart left for Oregon. They bring in Charlie Strong. Now they're going to have to go through a new basketball coach and who's going to have to probably uh, pick up a mess. I mean, that program is probably a mess. So I don't know what they can uh, uh, draw as far as uh, a coaching hire is concerned. That'll be very interesting. Well, that's going to be fun to take a look at to see who, you, who USF hires. And uh, uh, well, here's here's hoping that they hire Isaiah Thomas. And they're going to lose. I know that this this is kind of a a little bit off topic, but they're going to lose right past my joke. I can't believe it. Unbelievable. That wasn't very good. That's why uh, 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 they're going to lose their color analyst, the radio color analyst. You know who he is? No, Todd Callis. Who, of course, is the host, was the host of the pregame of the Tampa Bay Rays. Well, he's moving on. He's going to be the play-by-play voice of the Houston Astros, from oh, what I've Todd. been told. What I've been told, I think he's going to. He's uh, Harry Callis' main... son, is he not? Correct. Yes, he is. Yes, yeah. he is. And he's been doing radio analysts for USF basketball for a number of years. I always see him when USF comes to play UCF, and we talk. And uh, I would assume, I think he, from what last I've heard, he will finish the year with USF. But obviously, this will be it. Uh, USF comes to UCF, by the way, uh, January 17th. So I look forward to uh, seeing Todd Callis one last time before he heads out to Houston. So I will. Uh, absolutely. And of course, you know, that'll, that'll be a game that'll impact the I-4 trophy. So. Yeah, so, all right, moving on from that, let's talk a little football. So last time you heard from us, we were talking, uh, it was, it was post of the, uh, Cure Bowl. And, uh, and since then, that was actually, is that the no? That was the second American Athletic Conference uh, bowl game. Oh yeah, yeah, little, yep. Since then, it hasn't gotten much better <laughs> for the yeah. American. Uh, two and five is the record of the American in bowl games this year. The wins: Tulsa over Central Michigan in the Miami Beach Bowl, and USF defeating South Carolina in overtime. In a yeah, they almost blew that game. They in, almost blew, had a big lead, and they almost blew it. Yeah, in the Birmingham Bowl. Losses by Houston to San Diego State in the Las Vegas Bowl by 24. Obviously, UCF getting clobbered by Arkansas State in, uh, in uh, Orlando in the Cure Bowl. Uh, let's see. Memphis lost to Western Kentucky uh, and uh, and Jeff Brom, if I'm not mistaken, the head coach at at uh, in the Boca Raton Bowl. Well, it was that the interim was coach because Brom uh, Brom, oh, Brom didn't Brom coach left. that That's game right. he went to Purdue. So it was the interim coach that won that game. Yeah, that's right. So uh, let's see what Navy lost in a thriller to uh, Louisiana Tech in the Lockheed Martin uh, Armed Forces Bowl, which was in uh, Fort Worth, and then in the Military Bowl, Temple uh, in Annapolis uh, lost to Wake by eight points in a game that they just gave to Wake. I watched that game. They, they just handed it to Wake Forest. Um, bad year for the American in the bowl games, Eric. Uh, what do we make of that? 
Well, I think it's a combination of things. So I think we always tend to overreact to conferences and bowl game records. I agree, one hundred and fifty percent. I think that I think that's part of it. And you look at the American; they're trying to push themselves as the power six. And I let me. I'll use Houston for example. <clears throat> Houston played Oklahoma this year, beat Oklahoma, beat Louisville. Now all of a sudden, your head coach leaves for Texas. Uh, most of your staff leaves for Texas, and you're playing in Las Vegas. Your goal at the beginning of the year was to win the conference and maybe, maybe crash the party and make a playoff. That was their expectations, fairly or not. That they're unrealistic or not. That was in, what it in was. September. That was certainly that was certainly the goal. Correct. Correct. Now all of a sudden you end up in Las Vegas against the San Diego State team that's very good, that's in the Mountain West, ready to go, and you got your interim coach. And here's what I think is going on with the American Conference. If you look at the bowl games you mentioned, except for Birmingham and Temple when they played Wake Forest, the rest of those matchups, the American Conference is going against other group of five conferences who I, I think are playing with a chip on their shoulder and are sick and tired of hearing about the American being the the sixth best conference or being the group of six, et cetera. And I think what's happening here is a combination of certain schools in the American not being excited about that bold matchup, and you have, you're facing opponents that are geared up to play you to prove a point. And I think we've yep. seen that repeatedly throughout the bowl season. We saw that with Arkansas State against UCF. We saw that. You mentioned uh, Memphis losing to Western Kentucky. Western Kentucky is the Conference USA champion. They were geeked up to play Memphis. That's a good program, um, Western Kentucky. They've been it is. year in and year out. People forget that. So I think that's part of it is that the American Conference has become a target when it comes to these bowl games. Um, you know, and, and I think, you know, you had Temple with an interim coach, Houston with an interim coach. Uh, uh, those situations doesn't make it easy. Navy had some injury issues. They kind of slide it at the end. And so I, I just think Army it's a for the first time in 16 years. Right. So I think it's a combination of things. And that's why the Americans at a two and five. And I think that's the challenge for Mike Oresco moving forward is a, can you get yourself some better tie-ins to where your programs could be excited to play in the bowl games, a destination, you know, when UCF was in conference USA, Jeff, the exciting thing was, Hey, you know, we win Conference USA, you're going to the Liberty Bowl, and you're going to play a team from the SEC. That was kind of the, that was the goal. And the, the, issue the that ones the, who had the chips on our shoulders. Exactly. Yep. The issue that the American has is they've kind of set, set themselves up to be the favorites to make the, the power, you know, the, the, the New Year's Day Six Bowl, right? That's the goal. The problem is, what if you don't get there? You know, there's a rippling then, effect. Then you're in no man's land. Right, like you, I mean, we've had success. The American has had success when they've hit the New Year's Six. UCF beat Baylor uh, in the 2014 Fiesta Bowl. Houston beat Florida State. But what happens if you don't get there? So I feel there's a bit of a letdown uh, from the top team that wins the conference but doesn't end up in the New Year's Six. You have coaches leaving, and then you're facing opponents in most in the in those in situations that are geared up to play you because they're tired of. The, the lack of respect. Oh, all we keep hearing about is the American. You know, look, look at the Sunbelt. We had Danielle Jenkins on, right? Look how good the Sunbelt did. Four and two. Yeah. Now, is the Sunbelt better than the American? I don't believe so, but I think the Sunbelt, they're excited. They were motivated to play in all their bowl games, whereas I don't think the American was. Yeah. Great segue, by the way. Talking about chips on shoulders, uh, let us not forget who re- who has the chip on the shoulder heading into the last college football game of the season. That would be the college football national championship Al- rematch of last year, Alabama and Clemson. The reason why I bring this up is because there are actually UCF connections to this game. Uh, for Alabama on the coaching staff, obviously we know that Brent Key, last year's offensive coordinator, more or less the coach in waiting under George O'Leary until the bottom fell out, He's the uh, he's an assistant coach under Nick Saban. He coaches the offensive line, specifically the guards and the centers. Uh, that puts him, you know, <laughs> given that Lane Kiffin has just been effectively dismissed as the offensive uh, coordinator uh, prior to this game and quarterback coach, so that he can focus on FAU. Yeah, right. Uh, Mario Cristobal, interestingly enough, the former FIU head coach, he's the assistant head coach. He coaches the tackles and the tight ends. He's also the recruiting coordinator. 
So Brent Key, Mario Cristobal, moving right on up the chain to Nick Saban, right? Also on the Alabama coaching staff, Ed Marinowitz. Remember him? He was a quarterback here at UCF. He was a backup quarterback. Um, got involved in player personnel, and he's the associate athletic director for football uh, for Alabama. Actually came to Alabama after he was with uh, the Philadelphia Eagles. He was the vice president of player personnel in 2015. Uh, came down to be the uh, uh, to Alabama in June of 2016. So he's in, he's in his first year um, at uh, at Alabama. So uh, glad to see that he's landed on his feet and. The other thing, another actually another Orlando connection I wanted to point out too, defensive line coach for Alabama, Carl Dunbar, who uh, played for a long time in the NFL, but started his pro career. He went to LSU, by the way, but started his pro career with the Orlando Thunder in the uh, in the World League. So just wanted to point that out. Brent Key, Ed Marinowitz, laughing all the way to the championship game on Monday against Clemson. By the way, uh, now you mentioned chips on the shoulders. I think Clemson's got a chip on their shoulder in this game. I don't know about you, but I like the Tigers. Where are you at? Whoa! Mr. You used to be Mr. Anti-Clemson. Wow. I, I, there's just something about they – you talked – okay, you talked about this, right? The chip on the shoulder. Yep. They've been waiting for this game for a whole year. They still don't think Dabo Sweeney and – in particular, um, Deshaun Watson, Gainesville High School graduate. They look at last year's game and say, we didn't lose that game. We ran out of time. Now, yeah. whether or not you believe that is another thing. The difference is they believe that. No, I agree. I Look, I, I hear you. I'm with you. I, I have Clemson as well. Now, let me also – there is a couple of UCF connections uh, with Clemson. Oh, okay. Go ahead. Uh, one indirectly, one directly. One, I'm going to start directly. In the administrative side, Joe Simon – Used to be in the administrative side at UCF, uh, oversaw softball, among other things, while he was at UCF. He's over at Clemson now. He's been there now for the last couple of years. So he's over there. I actually congratulated him after their win over Ohio State on Twitter. Uh, always got along with him. So, uh, certainly hope for the best for him. He's doing a good job over there at Clemson. And we'll pass uh, along word to Joe, right? Yeah, we know Joe back. Joe was at UCF when I was there. So, hey, congrats yeah. to Joe. Uh, so we have him, and then indirectly, Tucker Israel uh, is a quarterback at Clemson. He's deep on the depth chart. His cousin, of course, Kyle Israel, uh, former quarterback at UCF. Uh, in fact, I think Kyle is hoping, because uh, I spoke with Kyle recently, and I think with Clemson winning and going to play in Tampa, I would suspect that Kyle will be able to attend that game. Yeah, I heard that. Uh, yeah, I, I, in fact, I, I heard that he was yeah, that he was going to be down there along with the family. So uh, yeah, so, so that's big, great for a them. Big moment so, for the yeah. Israel family. So good for them. Yeah, that's that's going to be exciting for them. Uh, should be an exciting there. Here's my question here. Here's the big question. Okay. If you're a UCF fan, are you rooting you against for? <laughs> yeah. Well, well, no. I'm saying, are you more specifically Brent Key? Let's be honest. Let's focus on Brent Key because obviously Brent Key. He was just here. He was last year. If things would have gone differently, he might have be the head coach right now at UCF. So I'm wondering, will UCF fans root against Alabama because of Brent Key? Will will some of them root for Brent Key uh, or indifferent? Because I'm very interested in that. I think there's some people that still have hard feelings with how things ended and the fact that Brent Key had a coach in waiting in his deal, basically. Um I, I think that's very fascinating. And how are UCF fans going to feel if Alabama wins and Brent Key uh, will be showing has a championship national championship ring? I, you know, I, I think most UCF fans are like, ah, I don't care, water under the bridge. Um, I think the only people who are going to be actively rooting against Alabama because of Brent Key are the internet trolls. I mean, that's really it. They're just going to, you know, that Brent Key's the worst ever. And I hope, and I hope they lose by fifty. Uh, okay, whatever. You know, I, I mean, I, I've I've met you know Brent more than a few times and talked to him a few times. You know, I want Brent to have success. You know, I mean, it, the the whole thing about the coach and waiting thing. I mean, whatever. I mean, it, that's that is what it is. That happens everywhere. It's just they. It, it's just that it, it it's proximity to us that makes it hurt a little bit more. Um, him being the offensive coordinator, look, that didn't that whole season did not go well, okay? But yeah, I you know, but let's but let's say I mean, you know, if you know these guys personally, you're like, hey, you know what? I hope he wins. I hope, 
I, I hope that at least he has success. I think Clemson's going to win. I'm not going to be sad if they uh, if they don't. Um, I think that, uh, and if Brent and Ed too, you know, if they if they if they if they win a if they win a national championship in their first year in Alabama, good for them. It's rare that you get to to get one of those rings. You know, they've it's it's not like those guys didn't work hard to get where they were. You know, I mean, sometimes you work hard and you have a great season like we had in 2013. Other times you work hard and you go 0 and 12. What can you, you know, what can I say? I mean, well, you know, that, that, I, I hope he's that's, successful. Right. That's the thing. Well, people let that go because Brent Key was part of the staff of the most successful UCF football team of all time in 2013. So there were positives, but it didn't end well. So it's going to be interesting. Um, how much will people hold that against them? I mean, he he took a beating last year as the offense coordinator. So I'm very interested in that. I I I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm very curious. I mean, look, I think the majority of the country is rooting for Clemson, and I would assume that will be the case at UCF fans anyway, just because nothing to do with Brent. It just, you know, people are tired of Alabama winning. People are always tired of teams that win all the time. So I think that's the, that's the case in sports. We but, want Alabama. <laughs> I just wonder, because I know there are people that still, you know, hold a grudge because of Brent. Uh, with the coaching waiting situation and they feel they held the program back. I'm not one of them. I don't have a problem. I don't have a bone to pick with him. I'm actually friends. Uh, I've been friendly with his wife. I know his wife very well, uh, going back a day. So I hope them very, I hope them a lot of success and I hope them happiness really. But I don't know. I'm very curious to see, uh, kind of the reaction and what the reaction will be either way. I don't know. I think if you're like intentionally rooting against Brent Key because you think that he somehow screwed the program over, it's like go outside and take a walk. You know. And Since just, we're and talking about, about by the way, sure, sure. No, I agree. We'll see. We'll see. I'm just very interested to see uh, how that goes uh, with them. So, you know, we're, since we're talking about former people that worked at UCF, by the way, I'm just going to throw this shout out for UCF graduate Matt Dunaway, former voice of softball. Is an SID at Men's Tech, Texas Tech, upsetting West Virginia at home. Shout out to them. Well, we're, why not? We're, if we're going to give shout outs to former UCF alums, right? Let's shout go. Out, shout out to the shout out to the Red Raiders. Shout out How to the Red that? Raiders and Matt Dunaway beating uh, beating West Virginia at home tonight. So, all right. Uh, as we wrap up here, the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, our first edition back uh, in the new year, twenty seventeen. Uh, Lopez, what do you have on tap this week? Well, actually, keep it here on the Black and Gold uh, website here. Go check it out. I've got an exclusive interview with former UCF All-American softball pitcher Shelby Turnier. Uh, I had a two-part interview with her, and we we discussed a lot. Speaking of which, she's now an assistant coach at North Florida with the Ospreys. We talked about Atlantic that. Sun how, Conference. Yep, yep. We talked about how she ended up there, why she go into coaching. She's going to be coaching there. She's going to be North Florida will play UCF this year. So I asked her about what's that going to be like. She also won an MPF championship this past year with the Chicago Bandits uh, winning the title. So we talked about that. And then she reflected on a UCF career. Uh, so she transcended the, the the program. She brought a lot of fans. So for night fans, want to check out Shelby Turnier, uh, my interview with her. I wrote about her summer and stuff, including comments from her general manager, of the Chicago Bandits and Aaron Moore, who compared her to Kat Osterman and Jenny Finch in some of her ways that she pitches in big games. You want to read, you want to read that quote. It's kind of, kind of what jumps out there. So really good article. And, and, and with the audio links to that, uh, you can hear the in-depth interview. It's a two-parter. Uh, so check that out here on black and gold, uh, on the website as well. Yep. Right here on black and gold And I am actually working on some, uh, statistical analyses of the 2016 UCF football season. Uh, and trying to compare over the last five years uh, some so, some more or less advanced, uh, I guess some advanced metrics. It's taken me a little while, but I'm getting there. I'm getting there step by step. So be on the lookout uh, for that as well. So so that'll do it for us. Uh, make sure you contact uh, or make sure you follow us on Twitter for all the latest at UCF underscore Banneret. Follow us on Facebook as well, Black and Gold Banneret, and at blackandgoldbanneret.com. Subscribe to this podcast and rate us if you haven't yet on uh, iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, and TuneIn Radio. You can follow me at Jeff underscore Sharon and follow you, Eric Lopez, at? Eric Lopez Elo. You can find out all my latest developments 
Uh, as well, of course, uh, over at 1080 in Orlando, doing that all the time. So you can just find, that's the easiest way. Just go to Twitter, find out what I'm doing, uh, among other things, when I'm not here at the, the podcast. All right, cool. Sounds good, brother. Good to be back in 2017. Have you blown any of your resolutions yet? Oh, I'm sure I've done it. Uh, yeah, there's, I mean, whatever. Well, yeah, it's, it's, it's done, man. We got one I've or already, two done. I've already screwed. I've already screwed this up. I'm staying up too late. I was trying to. I wanted to go for a run tomorrow morning, but we're, but I'm not going to do it. It'll have to happen. Good luck. With that. Yeah, right. good luck with. It. All righty, well, good talking to you, man. I'll talk to you soon. All right, Jeffrey. And thanks to those of you listening. This has been the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Stay on the website for a couple new for some more content this week, and we will catch you again next week on the show. 